Once again, so glad to have you with us this morning. And uh, all of you all who are regulars, we're glad that you're here and all that you do. Anybody who's visiting with us today, that we're glad that you're here. We trust that something that is said or sung or uh, uh, ministered from the Word of God or just uh, uh, people fellowshipping with you, something will bless your heart, something will encourage you, strengthen you. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that it'll equip you to go out from here, uh, encourage you to go out and be a bright and shining light wherever you are. If you don't know Jesus, that something today would cause you to recognize and know that he is exactly who the Bible says that he is, that he paid the price for your sin, and he wants to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I want to finish up our series that we've uh, entitled Focus as we came around uh, from the end of 2020 into 2021. Uh, we really, I believe we needed to, to bring our lives and our hearts into focus uh, on a number of things that we've shared about, we've talked about concerning the vision of the church, vision for your life. Um, but you know, we came into this year uh, with lots of things to distract us. And as Alan was sharing in the, the offering time uh, about distractions, and there's so many things that would come to distract us. And as we have pointed out before, you know, our life can be like a camera, the lens that we look through and, and how we look through it. And, and, and many times we're just living on autofocus. And when we live on autofocus, that means something that moves here or there uh, attracts that lens. You know, uh, the cameras here, many times, you know, we have to be careful what we put on the background or what lights, you know, at Christmas time they put up lights and those lights had a slight twinkle to them. And so they would twinkle and move. And so all of a sudden on live stream, we start to get notices. Uh, uh, pastor's really blurry. Pastor's, and the, the camera was trying to focus. The twinkle of the lights would cause the focus to, to do this and that. And so, you know, I was blurry and not blurry and foggy and not foggy. And it was really because of the autofocus, it would grab onto that movement. And so we go through life and there's so many distractions. And so we know that going through that, whether it's coronavirus, the things that you, you know about it, you don't know about it, what you've heard about it, not heard about it, whether uh, the government, the things that are going on in our government, our leadership, our towns, and all of a sudden we find ourselves distracted and focused on something that really isn't helping our life. We're getting upset, we're getting angry, we're getting anxious about different things when really God wants us to bring a focus and understand that he really has a plan in the midst of all this and we don't recognize that because we get focused on that. How could this ever happen? If God's in charge, how could this happen? But there are the temporal things that we look at and we could focus on, but then there are things that are happening uh, uh, really not behind the scenes. They're actually happening beyond the scenes that we see that God is doing and he's setting up some things and setting some things in motion for your life that will be totally beneficial for you if you can see them and walk in them. Jesus would say this as he was walking. He would say, if you have eyes to see and perceive and ears to hear and understand, it will be great and beneficial for you. Many times we don't have eyes to see. We just see what's right in front of us. We're short-sighted. The Bible talks about being short-sighted even to blindness. And when you're short-sighted, it's so temporal. You even forget, the Bible says, that you are cleansed from your past sin. That's how we backslide, is we get so caught up and we, we forget that we were cleansed. We forget about forgiveness, and we just go back to the way we were doing things before. But God has a place where we see beyond the temporal, beyond the short-sightedness of day-to-day -day life, and we begin to see more into eternity. We see into things to come. And so our actions in our lives are really based on not what, how we feel today and what we do today, but based on how we see past today into the future that God's created for us. 
And so we, we launched off this as more our foundational text, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see two focuses here. He says, let us look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us focus on Jesus when we're running our race. But as we saw before, it says that Jesus actually, when he was going to the cross, was focused on us. He wasn't focused on the cross. He despised the cross and the shame for the joy that was set before him. And so as he was focused on us, he said, now if you will focus on me, I am the author and the finisher. I'm the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. I have something amazing for you to do. And you know, in the day that we live in, in the time that we live in, has anybody heard just recently, if you've listened to the news, you've listened to what's going on in different places today, has anybody heard anything about identity? Nobody? A few people are chuckling. I mean, it's going on everywhere right now, talking about identity and, and, and what those things are. And really, we have to be very careful to not be distracted by everything the world is talking about concerning identity. Because it'll get you all mixed up. All that has happened is the world, the enemy, has taken a, an understanding of something that God put into motion, and he's perverted it to the point that, that whatever I feel like, whatever I want to identify, therefore I am. But really, the most important thing that we need to understand is that God really sent Jesus to be a substitute and identified with our sin so that we could identify with his righteousness, that truly we could have our identification in Christ Jesus. And as we begin to focus, and we talked about last week, really uh, focusing on the vision and how you each member is a, an important body, uh, uh, an important member in the body of, the, of Christ in the church. Even uh, more so, what we're talking about today, when we start to understand and focus, and I'd really love you to put this into your heart and focus this week and beyond on who you are in Christ. The identification that you have with Christ, some of you have been around, you're like, oh, I've heard about that before. But you know, we so easily get off of our focus on who we are in Christ. We begin to think about who we are in the natural. We begin to think many times that we are the sum total of our successes or our mistakes. We believe that we're the sum total of things that have happened in the past, when really that's not who we are at all. As God looks at us, we are the new creation that Christ has paid for on the cross. When we begin to realize who we really are in Christ and understand that in Christ there is a reality of who I am, in my spirit, man, that is so much different than other people have painted me or thought me to be, that I could rise above anything. That in our identification with Christ and our knowledge of that, we actually find our place in the body of Christ without hindrance. If we don't know who we are, we're trying to jostle and find our place and our position, and we get to jockeying around, we get in, in offenses, we get in strife, we get in division. God never had that plan, but when we know who we are in Christ, we have great confidence. It's called faith. We have faith in God and who he's created us to be. We carry ourselves not with insecurities, not comparing ourselves by ourselves. We're not trying to position ourselves in our own way, but we know who we are in Christ. We know what he's gifted us with and what our talents are so we can rise and be successful. As we focus on who we are in Christ, we begin to really rise up stronger than we ever could be in our own strength. 
The Apostle Paul addresses this to the Corinthian church. He said, listen, I see that what's on the inside of me, my new life in Christ Jesus, what's on the inside of me is so strong. He said, I count it as a treasure so that you understand that the power that I walk in is not of me, but it's of God. He went on to say, listen, I'm hard-pressed on every side. Anybody been hard-pressed lately? Few people. He said, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. He said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in dismay. Anybody looked at the world lately and been perplexed at what in the world's going on? But if you're not careful, you'll be in dismay. You'll start to get in fear. You'll start to wonder, is this all caving in on us? But when the power on the inside of you is greater than what you're looking at, you might be perplexed, but you're not in dismay. He said, though I'm persecuted, I'm not forsaken. He knew that no matter what other people thought of him, that God was on his side, that the Spirit of God lived in him. And the power that was in him was greater. John said it like this, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When the world starts to go funky and it starts to go every different direction, we have an anchor point to understanding who we are in Christ Jesus and who he made us to be. That we begin to look out, as as the writer of Hebrews said, that when we begin to move in our race, we begin to move forward in our life, we begin to look to the goals and the objectives from the beginning to the end, and we look at Jesus, we observe Jesus in our life. Mark Hankins says it like this, when you look at Jesus and you begin to understand him and the body of Christ, it's like looking at a family photo, right? And who's the first person you look at in a family photo or look for? You look for yourself. You begin to look at a family photo. If it was taken years ago, you're wondering if you were slimmer than you are now. As you look at the family photo, you see how Aunt Jean was and you see how Uncle Tom was and wow, you start to think, wow. But you're always looking around and you see everybody, but you find yourself in that family photo. And so it is when we look at Christ and how he is, we begin to look and we see the body of Christ and we begin to see others in the body of Christ who are growing and increasing and realizing that God's not finished with any of us yet, but all of a sudden we find ourselves in Christ. And it looks so much different than the person that we were outside of Christ before we knew him. The person that we knew outside of Christ was dictated to by the past and the mistakes and the course of this world and just following fads. But now there's something that's an anchor to our soul. There's something that joins us to him and the way that we live, the values that come from being in Christ, the character that is developed in our new nature in Christ. And it causes us to know who we are. It causes us to find our purpose in life. It causes us to know our success in life. And it causes us to really be fulfilled in life. So many people feel half empty. They feel like they're not able to achieve or to go. But when you know who you are in Christ, you recognize that I'm filled with all the fullness of who God is, that he's filled me with all of himself. It's amazing when you begin to think about it, that that emptiness on the inside that many people strive to find all of the time, they're trying to find out who they are and search for what their purpose is And it's really all found in Jesus and what he did for you in reconciling you back to God. We get perplexed and we get distracted and our focus gets off. But if we could focus on these things as we move forward, I believe that it will help us. So if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it's very uh, uh, well-known scripture to most of you um, here that belong to New Creation Church because it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is engrafted into Christ, if anyone is joined into Christ's body, through the new birth they've been brought into Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become 
new. Passion Translation says it like this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. He said, listen, when we start to think about who we are in Christ, we have to look and see that since I have made Jesus the Lord of my life, the old man, the things of the old man, the past mistakes and sin have been washed away and a brand new person emerged in Christ. And it may not look like it from the outside. Your hair color might not have changed. Uh, your, your height might not have changed. But on the inside, you became a brand new creation. At the inward man that was separated from God, you invited the Spirit of God into your heart, and he came to live there and began to produce something on the inside of us that was different, and it was brand new. And he goes on to say that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God who has already reconciled us to himself. He's joined us to himself. He's made us righteous. He's called us unto himself. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says it like this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, everybody say, I now live. He said, the life that which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if the righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He said, I was crucified with Christ. What does that mean? The old man that I used to be that was bound by the sin of Adam has now been crucified, died with Christ, identified with Christ's death, but he also identified with his resurrection. In James Stewart, in his book called The Man in Christ, he said that Paul was talking about that death there, but he, he was talking about the life that I now live, which means there was a different life. The life that I now live denotes that he lived a different life. And he said that, that in the original language, he was saying now he lives a different life. That new life that he now lives is a different in kind, and it's different in quality. That when we're born of God, when we're born again, that our new life is not just now we got saved, and now we are the same old people with Christian sprinkles on us, you know, like a donut. Jerry brought me a donut between services. It was chocolate-covered, no sprinkles. But last week, he brought me a donut with white chocolate and all kinds of sprinkles. And so, you know, the sprinkles kind of jazz it up a little bit. So we think, well, I'm just the same old person with Christian jazz. I go, I go to church on Sunday, and that really spices up my life or, or makes me somebody. But that's not what he's talking about at all. He's not talking about now you're the same old person, but you go to church on Sunday. He says, no, you're not the same old person. It's a new life. It's new in kind and it's new in quality. The old spirit man that was separated from God is joined and he didn't just come in to renovate. He brought a whole new life that was reconciled to God. And when he goes on to say it's new in quality, he's talking about that it is the quality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you and it now dwells in me. When we say we can't do something... We can't go. That's why the Bible continues to say all things are possible to him that believes. Because nothing's impossible. Why? Because he brought a whole new quality of life. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8 says, now dwells on the inside of you. And so we say, you know what? I just can't stop that. I, I, I can't live that way. He says, no, I brought a new life on the inside of you. 
And now the new life that we live when we focus on being in Christ, it's that new kind of life and it's a new quality of life. And it's the quality of the resurrection and the standard of the life that we now live is Jesus. I'll just say that again. The standard of the life that we now live is Jesus. And I lost some of you right there. It's like, oh gosh, here we go again. We got to live up to that standard of living like Jesus. See, I understand that because you can't. But that's the joy of it. The moment you think, I can't live to that standard of life that Jesus lived, you fall back under the law. It doesn't sound like it, but you do. But to understand the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ, that it's not you that's going to do it. Paul said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. The very spirit of Christ that lives in you gives you grace. He empowers you to live above what you used to live and to live according to a new quality of life and a new standard of life, which is given to us in the scripture. And see, we can so often get drawn back to uh, uh, how we used to live and, and, and our flesh to grab a hold of us in different areas. But when we focus on who we are in Christ, we begin to realize what God has called us to. And all of a sudden, Christian life doesn't become this boring church attendance kind of thing, but it becomes a vibrant new life that we live. We live with expectation and we live with hope. We live not bound to the past and the mistakes of the past, but we begin to launch into the future. We begin to realize that there's something teeming on the inside of us, giving us a new character, a new life, a new form of life, a new quality of life that we live. We're not just living to try to get to the end of this life and escape and get to heaven, and that's not all we're betting on, but we know that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, but right now there's a relationship to be had with our creator, and that is God, and we have that through Jesus Christ. And it helps create all the confusion and the competition and all the things that go on. Because not knowing who you are in Christ causes you to struggle with insecurity. When we struggle with insecurity, fear begins to overwhelm us. Comes about, it becomes about us. Selfishness begins to overwhelm. And even within the church, we start comparing ourselves by ourselves. To begin to learn how we don't have to compare ourselves, we're supporting one another in who we are in Christ. We're realizing that wherever you are in your growth, Christ is not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. It says the work that he began in you, he'll be faithful to complete it. That he's working in each and every one of us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if we understand that we were crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live. Just going to go over four things here real quick. Maybe five. Real quick, just for us to focus on this week. If you know that you've been crucified with Christ, what's the number one thing that you should recognize and realize? If you were crucified with Christ, then you're freed from sin. You're freed from sin. There's too many people who say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm still just sinning. You, you, you can never be free from sin. The Bible says it right here. Romans chapter 6. Romans, the sixth chapter, he says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, and death no longer has dominion over him. For death, the death that he died, he died uh, once for all, but the life that he lives he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you may obey it in its lust. See, we get to this point of just thinking, you know what? We'll never be perfect. We'll never measure up. We're just sinners saved by grace. We're just struggling in the wind and the cold. But if you are a sinner and we're a sinner and you are saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. You got saved by grace. That grace saved you. And we get to this point of understanding who we are in Christ Jesus and that he has forgiven us and set us free from sin. And if we don't know that, we begin to ask this question, are you free from sin? Did you sin yesterday? Did you not sin yesterday? And all of a sudden we start comparing ourselves by ourselves and it gets to be very cockeyed. But when we recognize that we're free from sin, we don't have to sin any longer. That's not heresy. The Bible just said it. You've been set free from sin. We begin to focus on that and we give place and we, we, we leave the, the sin of the past behind, the comparison of who's been through the worst, who's still dealing with their stuff, who's going on beyond. We begin to realize and focus, this is who he's created me to be. So the first thing we realize is that we're freed from sin. Second thing we realize is that we're forgiven. We're forgiven. We won't ask for a show of hands, but most of the people here, if you understand anything, if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you'd say, I know I'm forgiven. But to know you're forgiven in your head and know you're forgiven in your heart is the difference between walking in freedom and not walking in freedom. Because we continue to remember what we've done, we remember what's happened to us. We continue to return to what's happened and the mistakes that we've made. When things happen, we go back. Well, I must have done this wrong. I must have done that wrong. But when you've been forgiven, the Bible says he cast it as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. So why are we continuing to remember the mistakes that we've made? If we focus on who we are in Christ, we begin to see that we've been freed from that, forgiven Forgiven means washed and cleansed. The Bible says that if we have confess our sin before him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Come on, I just got to ask you this. Y'all are pretty quiet today. Listen, if you never made a mistake, if you never sinned, if you never took that first drink, if you never took that first smoke, if you never enter, entered into that first sexual relationship outside of marriage, if you never had to deal with that divorce, if you never had to deal with that mistake, if you never had any of that to deal with, you just stood here today and say, none of that's ever happened in my life. I'm free from any of that stuff. My consciousness is washed. I am 100% washed. How does life look? It looks totally different. You look different. Your outlook on life, the lens that you look through, looks totally different. And God knew that. And so he said, when I brought, when you, you come under the place where you declare the blood of Jesus, it cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Everybody say all. all. That means all of it. See, we like to say, I know I'm forgiven, but I did this and I did that. And I still have this wound and I still have that scar and this happened and that. No, when we understand that we're forgiven, we're washed. And the enemy tries to bring it to your remembrance to pull you down. When things are not happening your way, well, maybe God's not answering because I did something wrong. Maybe God's not doing this. Maybe this bad thing's happening to me because I did something bad. No, that's the enemy trying to rip you off. We come back and we realize, listen, when Jesus forgave me, he forgave me 100%. 100%. 
I'm free. See, people get nervous when you talk like this. Well, don't tell them they're too free. They'll just go out and do whatever they want. Now, that, see, that's the difference. You're not focusing on who you are in Christ. And Paul warned about that. He said, don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. He said, when you understand when you, who you are in Christ, you're free from that. You don't return to it. Right? Very subtly, we get to this, this place if we're not careful. It's really like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil at the beginning. They begin to look at it, and God said, you know, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they begin to look at it and decide that they thought that they knew better than God. And sometimes we look at that, and we're in that place where we're looking, and we think, well, you know, I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to make my own decision here, and all of a sudden we know that we've sinned. But all of a sudden, nothing happens, and we look out and say, well, you know, why can't I do this? Other people do stuff like this. I know other Christians who are doing this, but in our heart, we know that it's wrong. And we begin to weigh whether it's really wrong or it's not so wrong or it's kind of wrong. And then all of a sudden we do something and subtly, if you're not careful, you feel like, you know what? I think I got away with this. You know, I, I think I got away with this. Or we begin to think, you know, I wonder if I can still do that, kind of live on the edge of sin, live on the edge of all that. And I wonder if God will still love me. I wonder if he'll still accept me. We're living in this awkward place of what can I get away with? When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're not looking at what you can get away with because nobody is getting away with anything. Nobody's getting away with anything. We will all stand before him. Right? But when Jesus came and redeemed your life, it's what you have moved away from and what you are going to that makes all the difference in the world. That you're not cycling in this old system, in this old place, just living circular, but you're moving towards something that is eternal, something that's higher, something that's greater. So we realize that we're set free, we're forgiven. Number three, the Bible says that you're made righteous. To focus on who you are in Christ means to know that you have been made righteous. Throw some people off, but righteousness just means that you've been put in right standing with God. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, that we might be put in right relationship with God, not because we were good enough or we were too bad, but we're put in relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Our favor comes to us through the blood that Jesus shed for us, that we were made righteous in him. What does it mean to be brought into right relationship with him? It means that we've been made sons and daughters. Romans chapter 8 says that we've received a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And since we're children of God, then we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. To begin to know who you are in Christ, you're not a stranger, you're not a foreigner, you're not unworthy, you're not slinking around, you've been made a son and a daughter of the Almighty God. In 1 John, he says, stop for a minute, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you, that he's made you children of God. When we weren't worthy, Jesus came and died for us. That's how much God loved us. That's how much Jesus loved us. Not so that we could live as if we were foreigners and strangers. Not so that we could live as if we were sinners and not worthy, but to live as sons and daughters of God. 
we were made righteous. Number four, if we understand and focus on who we are in Christ, we know that we've been set free. Set free not to do whatever we want to. Paul told the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. It's made you free. Hebrews chapter 9 says that we've been released from the consciousness of sin, and we've been set free to do what? To serve the living God. To serve and to fulfill our divine purpose that the Creator created us with. To have that fulfillment free to be everything we were created to be. See, the enemy comes into our life to short stall us, to keep us from being all that we were created to be, to limit us, to bring guilt and to bring shame and to bring condemnation into our life, to say, you know what, based on everything that you've done, this is all you're going to be able to measure up to. But God says, listen, if you'll put your trust in me, there's nothing that's impossible to anybody that'll put their trust in me. He said, I've set you free from the past and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that comes with it. Psychologists say this, Minerth and Meyer, you, you can look it up in, in, in uh, the psychology book. They have come to the, the conclusion that all self-destructive behavior comes from shame. All self-destructive behavior comes from shame. In all of its facets, in relationship, people self-destruct. They think they're in the middle of a relationship, but subtly, even though they say they're good enough, on the inside they have shame about something, and they blow up that relationship. Financially, they blow it up. There's all kinds of different things that, that we destroy because down on the inside, because of something that's happened or something that's been done or something that we've done that we knew we shouldn't have done, there's shame at work on the inside of us. It's not just guilt. It's gone to shame. And the Bible says that Jesus bore our guilt and our shame so that you could be free from it. So you're no longer under the surface having things that are working to destroy your life and to self-destruct in your life, but you're free from that, and now you're ready to be all that you were created to be and set free from the guilt and the shame of all the past. Turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit in life, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everybody say, I'm free. free. Say it again, I'm free. I'm free. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Just to break that down, carnally minded or to be carnal means pertaining to the flesh. He said there's a place where if we live according to the temporal realm, just pleasing the desires of our flesh and our need of the day, that's what we'll set our mind to. But once we realize who we are in Christ, that we have an eternity that we're living out before God, even now we're in the part of eternity, we begin to focus on different things. 
When you look at people who say, listen, I don't have to do that. I, I, I don't care what the Bible says. It says right here, if you live according to the flesh, you're not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. But when you live according to the Spirit, it's the Word of God that guides you and directs you, develops the character and the honor in your life. In Colossians chapter 3, we're closing here. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 10. Praise the Lord. It's all right, honey. You're not the first one that's cried during my preaching. <laughs> Verse 10 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, uh, speaking of, he, he's just said we put off the old man. We're not focusing on that today. We're focusing on who we are in Christ. He says, and you put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Jump to verse 12. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called into one body, and be thankful. We're just scratching the surface here in kind of giving you the idea as you go out from this place into this week to focus not on everything around you and what others have said about you or who others have said you might be, but to focus on who you are in Christ and allow that to rise up every day. Be a great study for you. In fact, we have some books in the bookstore, and I'm not selling books just to tell you. You know, Mark Hankins' book, The Power of Identification with Christ. He also has a book, In Christ's Realities, Who You Are Since Christ Has Died for Your Sin and Saved Your Life. But here, just simply, he talks about this new man. I want to close with this understanding that you could just say this when you wake up in the morning and begin to focus on who I am, and you could wake up and say, well, I'm angry this morning, or I'm put off this morning, or you could look and say, I'm not a very good husband, I'm not a very good wife, or, boy, I'm just not very good at that. Or you can begin to realize who you are in Christ. And what he says right here, this new man who's created in the image of him who created him is holy. He's holy. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm holy. But wait a minute, we just have to understand words. If you were washed, if you were cleansed, if you were sanctified, God made you holy. Not holier than thou, holy. Just stay with me for a moment. The psalmist said this, he said, we worship him in the beauty of holiness. See, society and culture makes us feel uncomfortable about holiness and purity. Just as our kids are growing up, some of you might have had this as a teenager or something, boy, if you were trying to remain pure, you were some kind of weirdo and prudish and, you know, you were ostracized in some way, but God says there's something, you know, the world looks this way and it's got all this stuff going on and then we decide, well, I want to come out of that because I know there's something better. My heart yearns for something different and better. And then we get into that awkward place. Well, I'm a Christian now, but all that didn't seem so bad, but I feel like there's something different. But when we cross over into the place that we know who we are, we know we're washed and we're cleansed and we're forgiven. We know it. 
means that we're washed, we're sanctified, we're set apart from that old thing unto something new. And it says we begin to worship him in the beauty of holiness. See, somebody who's prideful and holier than thou, that's not beautiful. When we look at things in the world, if you could grab a, a bar that they said was as pure, a bar of gold that was as pure as they could get it, and you looked at it, you'd go, man, that is something. I mean, I've seen some stuff that didn't look nearly like that. When we begin to look at jewelry, we begin to look at uh, silver, and we begin to look at gold, and there's something so valuable, the purer it gets, the better it is, the more valuable it is, the more stunning and brilliant it looks. We understand that there's something about purity in in. in Geology, there's something that, about purity and different things in life that we're like, man, when it's 100% pure, there's value to it. There's something wonderful to it. Why, when we come to holiness, we're like, eh, eh, eh. No, there's something that when you step over and you realize, man, this is, purity is so beautiful. And the enemy's tried to cause us to settle for something less than the best. But he says right here, the new man, holy, beloved. Come on, you could wake up in the morning and say, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, but that would not be true because you're loved by God and you're accepted. When you focus who you are in Christ, you focus and you realize, man, he's made me holy. Not anything of myself, but he made me holy. He loves me. I'm loved by God. Then you begin to see there's traits working in you. I am merciful. I am merciful. The next time somebody wrongs you, you just go, you know, I would have used to, I'd have, if it was, I'd have, but that's who I used to be. I'd have, but now that I'm in Christ, I'm merciful. I'm merciful. Why would you be merciful? Because you know you need mercy. I'm merciful. I'm kind person that I am in Christ, I'm kind. People might have said, you are a mean, cantankerous so-and-so all your life, but in Christ Jesus, kindness moves on the inside of you. It says that you're meek, you're teachable. You're teachable. You don't have to be a know-it-all. When you're in Christ, you can be confident there's things to learn and things to know. You're teachable and you're confident. You're not insecure. It says that you're patient, you're long-suffering. Everything doesn't have to be now. It doesn't have to be instant. You know that God's in control. You got it. You can be patient. It tells us that you're forgiving. What an attribute to be able to forgive all that's been done to you, knowing, as we just said, I've been forgiven. I guess we'd say it like this in the day that we live in, we just pay that forward. We forgive even as Christ has forgiven us. In Christ, we're bound by love, an extravagant love, not just a love that loves those who love us, but we have a love that loves even the unlovely and those who persecute us, those who uh, uh, use us. We still love them. You can declare that you're a loving person. In the end, he says, you're ruled by peace. You're ruled by peace. We don't have to live and be governed by anxiety and stress. Even when we watch the news, we don't have to be overwhelmed by, my God, what's going to happen now? We can be ruled by peace, knowing that we are his and he is ours. Why don't you stand up?
Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together, Father, all the time that we've had to rejoice and to sing and open our hearts to you, Father. We thank you for the privilege of dedicating Marley to you. God, you see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. What a future and a hope that she has. Your grace and your mercy being bestowed upon her life. We thank you. What a privilege, God. We thank you for the privilege of speaking your word, knowing that it has life for all that receive it. Freedom, liberty, and strength. We thank you for what we've received today. I pray that it begins to produce in every single life, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And the Bible tells us, as we started off, any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he loved you even when you didn't know him. He desired to have fellowship with you and break the very power that kept you from being in direct fellowship with him every single day. He said, if you'll confess me as Lord of your life and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be in Christed. You'll be brought out of the power of sin and death and brought into that place of life and peace, union, fellowship with God. For anybody who's watching, anybody who's present here today, if you from your heart pray this prayer, Believe according to the word that you'll enter into relationship with God, with Jesus as the Lord of your life. You'll enter into that place that you'll be in Christ and you can begin to focus on these things of who you are now in Christ. Let's all just pray this prayer together. If you don't know Jesus, you can pray it for the first time. If you know him and you've gone away from him and you say, today's my day to recommit my life to him. Just pray this together. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning and I lay my heart before you. I'm tired of living life my way. I desire to know you intimately and personally. And so I ask you this morning to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead so that my sin could be forgiven. And I receive that forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're in this room, there'll be altar workers just up here. If you'd approach them, tell them you prayed that prayer for the first time. They'd love to give you just a, a little packet, a gift of three mini books they're just this small little mini books that will help you begin on your journey uh, in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you prayed that uh, and are watching online, just go on to uh, our app and uh, the, the tile that says tell your story. Let us know that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to send you that gift.
Amen. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.